Well, hey, welcome to the For Jesus podcast. This is a podcast that's part of the Redemption Gateway Podcast Network. Ooh, that sounds fancy. And what this is all about is trying to lean into the phrase that's part of our church, that all of life is all for Jesus. So we're going to have conversations about how faith and life intersect, all sorts of different areas. And with me, I've got some friends. We're going to have some fun with this this season. And so first is Alessi DeBartolo. Hi, Alessi. Hi. How are you? Great. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, this is pretty fun. And also joining us is Joshua Reese. What's up? No, I'm just kidding. That's, <laughs> that's not how I would say hello. Hello, Luke. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm good, Joshua. Give me a bit of foretaste of what's going to happen here. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I don't know what's going to happen here. We're going to have some fun with it. But the idea for this podcast is that we're going to be your hosts for the season. Yep. And um, so some of these podcast episodes will be just conversations like the one today with just the three of us. Other times we'll have a guest. Uh, sometimes it won't be all three of us. Sometimes other folks will pop in. So who knows? But we're just getting started with this. And uh, really kind of the idea out of this, uh, or I guess that started this whole thing, was feeling like we just wanted another touch point to be able to provide equipping and encouragement. And we thought a really great way to do it would just be to have some real life conversations about yeah. stuff that's going on in our lives and stuff that's going on in our world. So I'm looking forward to some of the stuff we're going to be talking about this season. And today we're going to kick it off by kind of just a meet the crew conversation. So uh, folks, if they're listening to this podcast, they've probably heard me preach. Uh, maybe they've seen you lead worship Reese or you, you know, do announcements or something, Alessi, but I don't know if people necessarily even really know us very well, so I thought it'd be kind of a chance to kick off with that. So, uh, Reese, why don't you go first and just tell us a little bit about yourself, tell us about your family, where you're from. Yeah, um, I am born and raised here in Mesa, Arizona, and so is my wife. She's two years younger than me, so we actually ended up going to school a lot of the time together, but not knowing each other. I knew her brother and her sister, but never met her until... We decided to get married that next day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have four kids. My oldest is 15. Um, sh- that's Aiden. She's a girl. The young next is 13. It's Isabel, also a girl. And then Violet is 10, and she's a girl. And then I have my son, my only son, whom I tell is my favorite son, <laughs> Knox, and he's an eight-year-old. So we yeah, your family's like mine: three girls, and then yeah, I prayed that for oh you. Boy, yeah, you did pray that for me. Yeah, I remember that. And then kind of on the flip side, Alessi, you were the only girl in your family. Tell us about you. Yeah. Um, So I was born in Boston, but grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I didn't know you were born in Boston. You didn't? No. Yeah. Can you do a Boston accent? No, I was only there for like two, three weeks. I like to to say it's like my hometown, though. Like that's... That isn't the accent. That's not the one. (laughs) I don't know what the accent that was. My hometown. My hometown. That's not Boston. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. You seem way too happy for Boston, so. Yeah, well, they took me out quick. Yeah, (laughs) I got out fast. Um, But yeah, I have two younger brothers. Um, Grew up going to East Valley Bible Church. Um, Went to Biola for undergrad, Um, and now I'm currently working on my master's program um, through Wheaton College. Uh, I have one year left, so I'm looking forward to that. What are you Um, studying there? Leadership and evangelism. Um, so it's an all-women's cohort, and we meet twice a year, um, but otherwise um, do our kind of classes online and stuff. So it's super interesting and fascinating, but I'll probably talk about that at some point 
on this podcast yeah. or just different things that I'm learning and stuff. But yeah, I was a teacher um, for three years um, before I came over to Redemption Gateway. And now I get to lead um, community outreach, which is super awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, for me, I'm from Denver, Colorado originally and went to college in Illinois and then ended up out here and kind of like a lot of people that come here, you guys are both from Phoenix, but a lot of people that come here don't really plan to stay here. <laughs> and I didn't either. I kind of thought I'd be here for a few years. I moved out really to be part of a ministry training program that you mentioned, East Valley Bible Church, uh, that's now Redemption Gilbert, but they were had a kind of a vision for planting churches and training leaders. And so I came out to be part of that. Thought we would be on our way after a little while, but uh, still here, 18 years later. I'm married to Molly. We've got four kids and uh, three girls, and then the boy, kind of like Reese said. And, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. So um, so I've got a couple questions for us for today. I think we're going to do, I guess, um, four questions that, we've, that we're all going to answer. And so the first one is, how did you meet Jesus? This whole thing is for Jesus. We're saying we want to live all of our life for Jesus. Um, how did Jesus become kind of a reality in your life? How did you become a Christian? Yeah, I'll go first. That's all right. Yeah, I like going first. Um, so I, I was raised in the church. Um, my dad was a youth pastor when I was young. Um, my mom was the secretary of the church. So I was always around the church. Um, and as far as I remember, I was eight years old. And I remember just coming home and saying, hey, dad, I, I, I want to be a Christian. I don't know what it takes. And you know, that was 90s, or actually that was, yeah, 90, 91, around that time. So uh, Christianity was different in the circles I ran in, so it was kind of a say it and then and then we go. And so I did, and I was baptized, um, and that was fun. I did a lot of uh, normal Christian kid things where I, I, from that day, I remember always wanting, like, Christ to be my Lord. Like, I'm like, I, I want to have repentance and belief in Jesus, repentance and belief in, the, in Jesus. And then it was about 17, 18 that I decided that uh, disobedience would be king instead of Jesus for a little while. Um, and that, not that I fully turned away. In fact, I did what's worse. I just was a hypocrite for a long time. And so did that, which disobedience typically leads to shame. And I let shame kind of become king for a little while when I was, you know, early married and still serving in the church and doing that, but having this deep kind of um, shame in my heart and not really, that was really kind of overshadowing the gospel. Um, and, and it would be up and down. It would be roller coasters of, I'm excited about Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. You know, I'm excited. I'm ashamed. I'm excited. I'm ashamed. And it wasn't like my late, my early twenties, uh, guy named Matt Chandler. I don't know if you never heard of him, but uh, I've heard of him. Yeah. Heck of a preacher out of yeah. Texas. <laughs> my dad kept... You heard of him last <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He's, a, he's got a small church in Texas, but he's... Uh, he. My dad was just pushing him down my throat. He kept giving mm. me these CDs. I don't know if you know what CDs are, but <laughs> he would burn me CDs of his podcast and different... Or his sermons. Yeah. So you got to listen to this one. And I was like, okay, fine. Mm. And I finally did it. And then I ended up going to a conference and getting to meet him and a couple other guys. Um Brothers. How did your dad know of Matt Chandler? Uh, my dad is a consumer of all things, uh, all sermons in the world. I, I huh. bet you if there's a, a 20-person church in Massachusetts, he's probably heard the sermon. So wow. he spends a lot of time doing that. So. Maybe the church that Alessi was born in. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> possibly, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of – that. I, I mentioned that because that was the first feel real, like, lifting of my head mm. um, 
to where Matt Chandler just said, look at me, look at me in the eyes. Your sin is not greater than uh, God's grace, and you think it is. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, but I do. And so I think that was the first part of, like, where I felt I had a, I, I gained a lot of health from, like, a one-moment thing that was pretty significant in my life. So you met Jesus early on and then almost had kind of a reawakening at, at a later point where, you know, that shame was dealt with in a more significant way. and Yeah, for sure. I know it was a, a good friend of mine who said, so you m- you met Jesus when you were 20s? And I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I, I can't remember a time that I didn't want him to be Lord, but like resting in that. That's, I think that's when I found real rest mm-hmm. uh, is, is in my 20s. Yeah, it's almost like we recently were looking in John 1 where it talks about grace and place of grace, mm-hmm. right? You had a real experience of grace as a kid and then another experience of grace. Maybe that'll be another episode we do at some point. I know I've had what have felt almost like four or five different conversion mm-hmm. experiences. Um, they weren't, right? You only actually become born again once. You can only do that once. But, man, there are these reawakening times. Maybe we'll yeah. talk about that in the future. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to do a podcast on that. Yeah. What about you, Alessi? How'd you meet the Lord? Yeah, so somewhat similar um, to you, Joshua, but I also grew up um, in a Christian home in the church. Um, The churches changed a little bit as I was growing up, um, just as my parents were a young married couple and kind of had a surprise baby, Um, and so... Um, You're the firstborn, right? I am the firstborn. Yes, yes. Um, so they had only been uh, married for about a year and a half when when I came along, um, and so yeah. So we, um, but I really knew who Jesus was and kind of fell in love with Jesus and wanted to understand more of who he is. And so I remember I was around five years old, um, and I went to my parents and said, "Okay, I want Jesus in my life forever." Um, and at that time. Similarly, uh, we said a prayer, um, and, and I asked Jesus into my heart, um, and I feel like there were also a few moments when I was younger that I kind of had to make sure, like, I remember second grade, my teacher was like, you know, if you're not saved, you need to say the prayer or whatever, and so I'd go home and make sure, hey, am I good? Am I, am I saved? Did I say it right? <laughs> did, did I do it right? Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like it really was, though kind of this sweet transformational time um, when I was in high school. Uh, so kind of went to a Christian school, um, preschool to eighth grade. And uh, and then in high school, it was a public high school. I didn't know anyone, and I had to take my faith on as my own because now I was asked questions. Well, why did I not do this? Why did I do this? Um, and so what's interesting is, is I feel that I became very legalistic. Mm. I'm doing this, I'm not doing this. Yes to this, no to this. Um, it was very black and white for me. Um, but I do think that in in a way that was Jesus kind of protecting me from a lot. Um, it was very easy for me to say yes and no. Um, and I had no problem just laying the law. Um, Especially on other people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was kind of, I, I feel like my kind of transformation of really just taking my faith on as my own. It's not my parents. It's not what I'm believing at this school. It's it's where am I at with Jesus? Um, and that's when I got Jesus Calling, and I would start reading Jesus Calling every morning. Uh, that's about all I could handle as a, as a, as a girl in high school. Um, and it's just been this sweet journey, and, and I kind of agree with what you guys were saying about there's lots of different moments that I could say, 
something catastrophic changed my my life or or maybe he he revealed something to me that changed my perspective um so yeah I think that happened again when I went away to college and I I went away to school which was nothing that my friends did I got to live in La Mirada which is basically kind of the pits of uh LA area but still sounds pretty good to me it was it was beautiful it was a beautiful campus for people of La Mirada I don't, I don't know. I've stayed on campus. <laughs> they know. Sorry. No, they know. They know. We all, we, we they all acknowledge Alessi's it. Alessi's glad to also be Also known as Pits of LA. <laughs> so enjoy. <laughs> That's how they refer to it. Um, but yeah, so. She, she used to be legalistic. She said no. <laughs> I did. Now she's over it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm clearly proving that right now. Um, but no, I, I, I do think that the Lord has and is still doing kind of a work in my life on maybe things are a lot more gray than I think that they are or have thought that they are. Um, and, and the life that I had planned for me is different than what he's doing and how he's working and moving in my life. So I feel like I'm on this sweet, continual journey of getting to know Jesus um, and trying to be like him um, by dying to self daily. So um, it's, a, it's a process, but yeah. I met Jesus when I was little and... Still growing with them. That's great. Yeah, for me, I had an experience similar to both of yours, but actually pretty significantly different as well in that um, I had a lot of experiences being exposed to the gospel as a kid and doing the sinner's prayer and asking Jesus into my heart and doing those things. But unlike you guys, I don't think it actually was real then. Um, I think I meant it perhaps as much as I could mean it, but I don't think my heart was actually changed. Um, I grew up kind of in, a, in an environment that maybe is a little different than most people I know in that uh, my parents uh, were following the Lord and we went to church, but church was not a significant part of our lives in the sense of like we didn't have a lot of relationships with people from church, and yet we went pretty regularly. So it feels to me now like people who like aren't that connected to the church don't come very often. Uh, whereas people who are very connected come all the time. We were something in the middle. Um, but I was exposed to the gospel a lot. I remember as a seven-year-old getting to go to Mile High Stadium, and uh, there was a Billy Graham crusade there. <laughs> and uh, we were up in the upper deck, as far as I remember. But I remember wanting to go down on the field and say the prayer. I think it was mostly because I could then walk on the field where John Elway played. Um, so <laughs> I went down on the field and, and said the prayer. But I, you know, I don't know that anything really happened. And so I lived in this kind of strange place of thinking I was a Christian, but not actually being one. Um, and the grace of that was that it made it where when I got into high school, I thought of myself a Christian enough to want to go to some Christian clubs. I went to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting. And at my school, there were some, I, I went to a school that was a um, just kind of a powerhouse athletic school. Um, one year that I was there, I wasn't on these teams. My freshman year, they, they won football, basketball, and baseball at the highest level in Colorado. So it was kind of that kind of school. And a bunch of those athletes were in this Fellowship of Christian Athletes thing. And I was an athlete, so I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm a Christian. I'm an athlete. I can go to that. Um, the reality is I was an athlete, but I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> but that kind of exposed me to those relationships, started exposing me more to the gospel. And um, interestingly, as I, as I kind of went through that, I think I started to realize – even if kind of subconsciously that my faith wasn't all that real. I remember uh, one of my buddies who was kind of leading a Bible study I'd been in was moving away to college. And he said, hey, Luke, you ought to take this Bible study over. You ought to keep it going. And I was like, I just remember thinking, like, I could never do that. Um, 
Like, no way. And I think that was some sort of, again, unconscious realization of like, I, I'm not a Christian, um, <clears throat> even though I would have thought that I was. And so that year, when I wasn't leading the Bible study, a neighbor moved in up the street, and um, he was a guy that was athletic looking. He looked like he was in college or just out of college, and he had just moved in. And I would see him running around the neighborhood. And I remember one uh, day I was out mowing the grass, and he stopped while I was mowing the grass and introduced himself, told me he'd played football at the University of Colorado. I'm like, that was, oh, that's cool. Um, and we kind of connected over that. And then he asked me this crazy weird question of, like, do you want to go to church with me tonight? And I remember thinking, that is so weird. Like, I just met you. <laughs> And sure, I'll go to church with you tonight. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> and, you know, because I thought of myself as a Christian and thought, well, you know, I, I, yeah, I can go. It turns out, uh, you know, he ended up, he was part of a church plant. And in church plants, people tend to invite people more. They tend to be more evangelistic. People tend to meet the Lord. And it kind of interesting that later on I ended up being a church planner. But um, I didn't have all the kind of framework of that at the point. But anyway, he and I, his name is JR, he and I started... I maybe went to church with him a couple of times, but we actually started reading through the Gospel of John, and we would just read a little bit and talk about it, read a little bit and talk about it, and we got to John 6, and in John 6, Jesus is saying all this kind of trippy stuff about, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, which is kind of his way of saying you need to believe in me, but it's super, I mean, honestly, if you just read it, it's pretty confusing just yeah. to read it, and, um, but there's a part in there where all these people have been following Jesus, and they get to a point, and they say, golly, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? And they leave. And I remember at that point, JR had gotten to know me a little bit, and he said, man, I think you would be one of these people that would leave. Um, I'm an only child. My parents are school teachers. I was kind of the good kid. Like, I knew how to play the part of wherever I needed to be. And so he kind of called me on that. He said, you know, you seem like a really nice kid. I'm sure all your you know, friends, parents love you, but <laughs> I think there's actually some wow. – some you're not kind of who you're tr appearing to be. And I think if push came to shove, you would be one of these people that left. And I remember just feeling very offended by that. Like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you kind of yeah. say that? But as I thought about it more, especially that evening, as I went home, I thought, I think he's right. Mm -hmm. And over the course of the next couple of weeks was really this process of realizing my faith has mostly been kind of a show to yeah. either make myself feel better, like I'm not going to go to hell, or to kind of, prop up my good guy image mm. and it was somewhere in the course of those couple of weeks that I feel like the Lord really uh, broke me down and and brought me to himself and I had this sense right kind of from that that point what it meant to follow the Lord was um, the phrase in my head was sold out mm. I wanted to be sold out for the Lord I didn't it wasn't going to be just because it was convenient or cool I wanted to be sold out I didn't in any way think that would lead me into ministry but I but I knew I wanted to follow the Lord. And I uh, kind of felt like Peter feels in that passage. After all those people leave, Jesus says, well, are you going to leave too? And they say, well, Lord, where are we going to go? You alone have the words of life. And so that kind of has been uh, my story of how I, how I met Jesus. And along the way, afterward, I mean, God just, like we said, has just continued to grow my faith. But that's where I, that's where I first met him. So, yeah, so that's how we came to know the Lord. Let's uh, move in a different direction. Um, so... Fast forwarding to now, what do you do for fun? What kind of hobbies? What kind of interests? Leslie, you go first. I love to read. Like I, I love to read. Um, a good Netflix show is awesome too. But um, like, what are you reading? Like Harry Potter? I have not gotten into Harry Potter. Okay. I have the first one. Um, but <laughs> well, 
I mean, this is this is a little embarrassing, maybe, but I'm gonna own it. I love Twilight. Um, I read, I read the Twilight. Adult Harry Potter. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> no, I feel like it's like the girl version, maybe more sure. so. It's a little girly. It has more of a love story. Um, but Are you on team Edward? Edward. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I don't know the other team oh, name. Jacob. Jacob. Oh, Jacob. Oh, okay. yeah. There you go. Joshua knows. Um, so is it more fiction though? Yes. Well, that's like my fun reading because I read okay. so much for college and for my master's program that when I have time to just read and I love falling asleep reading, like going to sleep, like your, your eyes are too heavy. You're reading the page and you just can't like, oh, it's my favorite way to fall asleep is like to reading. Cool. So anyway, but yeah, reading is my favorite. I, so I love fiction, fantasy fiction, um, <laughs> teen fiction um, when, uh, when I have the Maybe you should chance. stop telling us about the kind of books you like. All they're right. making me nervous. <laughs> they're, they're not dirty. They're oh, okay. clean. Just, just girly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. And you're, it's it's like girl, you can so. you can escape to a different world. I like to be able to escape. And so it's different than it's like a show. Yeah. But it lasts a little longer sometimes. I can read really fast though. So that's that's one of the things that I love to do for fun. Um I hang out with my family. I love Mexican food. So when I can try a new Mexican restaurant or just sit with someone and eat chips and salsa and enchiladas, nachos, like mm, So I love it's a it. relatively new uh, East Valley resident. Yes. Where, where Where's your go-to Mexican? Um, what is it called, Joshua? Talos. Talos, yeah. Talos. Talos is close to, to East Mesa area, so that's where I go, or Espos I in Chandler. I try to introduce that to everybody. Talos, you've never told me about it. <gasps> it's by my house. It's not by you. It's more that way. That's why I told oh. you. I have a car. Okay, yeah. We'll have I to mean go to Talos. Yeah, so. we should. It's good. What's good at Talos? I just uh, get the enchiladas. Just about everything. My my kids really like the carne salad fries. It's like cheap Mexican food. It's it's, but I think nice. that's the best kind of Mexican food. Sweet. So yeah, and then anything Espos else? and Chandler is really good too. Okay. Yeah, um, I hang out with my family. I love going to see movies. So it's been sad during coronavirus that we've had to, but uh, I know they just opened. So they did. yeah, I went so recently. Yeah, nice. Pretty great. Do you have to wear a mask? You're supposed to wear a mask unless you're eating and drinking, which means you just get an extra large popcorn. <laughs> so and you, you just, just keep eating you just and gra- drinking. Graze the whole time. <laughs> I mean, no one was walking around checking it. Okay. Um, and you're all spaced out, but yeah, technically you're supposed to. Oh, excellent. So yeah, I'll have to add that back into the to the list. But yeah, I love walking, hiking. Um, when it's cool, we're in Arizona, so I will not be doing that for a little longer, but yeah. eventually. Cool. So yeah, those are fun things I like to do. That sounds great. Yeah, for me, I, I love the movies also. I mean, that's kind of a big hobby of mine is uh, going to see movies. I think the last few years I've averaged around 25 or 30 wow. to see in a theater. And usually I have a friend uh, who's one of our elders at Gateway, Jeffrey Wilcoxon, and he and I go see a bunch of movies. And we kind of try to see stuff that we know our wives aren't going to like, <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot of things, actually. Um, and, huh. we see, um, <laughs> and we try to see – and we try to see – once we get the list of what's nominated for the Oscars, we try to see all the best picture stuff, which there's usually now, gosh, eight or nine or ten of those movies. We don't see all of them, but we see a lot of them. And uh, I love just the conversations afterward where you're kind of thinking through, man, how do they, why do they do that shot? How do they think it through? What, what did this mean? Um, mm. I like a movie where you don't have to think, but I also mm. like a movie where you do have to think. So, yeah, I do that for fun. Love sports. My wife and I were both athletes, and so any kind of watching or playing sports, um, even working out, I've come to kind of enjoy, uh, believe it or not. And then um, I love uh, I love video games. 
I'm a gamer. Whoa. What? I did not know I this. didn't either. I said this. I said this Whoa. at a fuse a couple years ago, and I had all these seventh graders who were like, dude, you, you like to play video games? And What's then when I told them what I like to play, oh. they said you're not a I lost some credibility. <laughs> Madden? <laughs> I only play sports games. <laughs> okay, okay. So NBA, mm. Madden, FIFA, NHL, um, yeah, all the other, like, uh, I don't know what it's called when you're, like. I just always dive on those things i push the wrong button <laughs> i'm on the breakaway and i dive yeah i push a but it's fun my little guy hank he actually likes to play now so he'll mm. say oh, can fun. we play and so yeah so i do that for fun what about you reese uh yeah i similar to you guys except not at all um <laughs> no i i never ruin a uh a, a movie by reading the book so just so you know I uh, I, lo- I prefer movies over books. That's okay. <laughs> I say that to Harry Potter fans just to give them a hard time. Um, no, my main interests are my wife and kids right now. I'm in that season, and I kind of do whatever they do. So my wife likes eating, so I love eating. And it's a good um, hobby. And, and movies and doing that stuff. My kids are into all sorts of different things. Gymnastics became a weird interest. I mean... Yeah. It's fun to go watch her do her thing. That's my oldest. So, yeah, those things. I pretty much, if I were going to say my hobbies, are just doing things, mm. period. So I I literally, I can ride a unicycle. <laughs> I play music. I like to do sports, play them. I don't like to watch them that much. Yeah. But I will watch a good game. Uh, my family's into it, so I, I indulge sometimes. Um, but yeah, I You've got a big family, and, you know, your family, but yeah. the extended family, like, you know, you right guys here are in Mesa. Usually, yeah. the folks closing the church building down on a Sunday because sure. everyone's just kind of hanging out, figuring out where to go to eat. And yeah, I always, uh, I I look at it and think, man, that just looks like a lot of fun. That's sweet. Yeah, it's a four step process to get out of the church. Um, so we have phase one is in the in the box, and then phase two is in the lobby, and then we argue about where we're going to eat. And then phase three is like we say let's go, and then phase four is about twenty minutes later when we actually get in the car. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that just because there's a lot of us, we just can do everything. Spike ball is a lot of fun. I'll play anything. I like to be active, but yeah. doing things. If I have to lay around, I feel like I'm wasting my time a bit. Yeah, but you don't seem like a lay around guy. Yeah. All right, next question, and this is one that uh, not everyone will necessarily understand, but we understand it because um, it's a part of our kind of staff culture here. Is what is your enneagram number? Oh. And maybe kind of connected to that is what is something about that that has been most helpful for you so for those who don't know the Enneagram is kind of a personality tool Um, the origins of it are somewhat contested in terms of where it came from but we found it to be just a really helpful way for kind of thinking about how we interact in relationships how we see the world Um, the danger of it like any personality thing is you can just box somebody in and assume that they're only whatever the personality test says is but we try not to do that but so I'm an Enneagram 3 and uh, what is that? An, enne- an Enneagram three is the achiever or the performer. Um, and the idea of this is there's nine styles. You're not really any just one. But the strongest for me is, is the Enneagram three, the achiever, or the performer. Uh, the strength of it is kind of an ability to read a room, read how people are doing um, and figure out kind of with that how to take them somewhere. So a lot of leaders uh, well, not a lot of leaders. Some leaders are, are threes, and that has you know been valuable in leadership. The downside of it is you can you can be a person who's a bit playing a role. So almost like what you know Jr. had confronted me about in my early faith is mm. kind of 
just there in me a bit is I can be a bit of a chameleon. I can be a bit of a politician. And so I have to really, and this kind of gets into what's been helpful. It's, it's kind of this realization that, um, I need to lean into conviction and lean into what's true, um, about myself and about others rather than kind of feeling out what does someone or some group want to hear? Um, how do I actually kind of lean into the conviction there? So what's your wing style? Do um, wing, I'm going. not as strong Sorry. in the wings, but but I know that my two, which is the loving, the helpful helper. person, is very low. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I'm probably more four, which is more the creative person. I like creative stuff. You know, I have kind of an entrepreneurial streak. So, um, yeah, it's probably more there. Great. What about you, Reese? Yeah, so um, mine is number seven, which is just, just a note is the biblical um, number of perfection. I'm just <laughs> oh throwing my. that out there. Throwing that out there. Um, no, sevens are, I think it was best described to me as uh, the Peter Pans of the world. So mm. they never want to grow up. They always want to have fun. Um, they tend to be that. I, at, as I came on staff and you so guys. So in other words, your whole life's a hobby. <laughs> yeah. So the reason why you didn't have a hobby is because your whole life is yeah. just a hobby. Yeah, exactly. Nice. It's funny, when I came on, they were like, you got to take this test. Um, and I was like, I don't need a test. You guys can get to know me. And they're like, the test says you would say that. <laughs> you know? And so, like, uh, I took the you test. You are totally unique. Yeah. Just like everybody so else. <laughs> and, it, well, and I, when I got the results, I was super sad because I was like, that just sounds like a big kid. I don't want to be. I'm, like, trying to be respected by these pastors who love the Lord and are, like, you know, I felt, I felt a little bit like Nacho Libre when he's like, these, these guys don't think I know a whole lot of crap about the gospel, but I do, okay? <laughs> like, I felt like that because it was like, I'm not just a goofball, I swear. Um, but, yeah, that's what a seven is, a lot of fun. Um, and they typically tend to be a little bit crazy, so that's fun. What's been helpful about learning that about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it just identified my weakness that I'm weak. <laughs> that's my weakness, <laughs> to quote Homer Simpson. You know, my weakness that I'm weak. Um <laughs> But no, it just showed me areas that, like tendencies, I think. It's like, mm. these are your tendencies. In fact, when I read, you sent out a uh, Enneagram bingo card, you know, and oh the right. seven was like, I'm reading it to my wife, and she's like, oh my gosh, that is so you. And I'm like, you really think? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to work on that and that and that. So it was like good and bad tendencies. So I think ju it just self-awareness a little bit. Um, it's helped me selfishly because people understand me more. So mm. other people on the staff, as they learn, oh, you're a seven, that makes sense, so now I don't hate you. Mm. Um, not that they hated me, but like I'm sure. not as frustrated with you when you do this because yeah. it helps me understand that how you think through things. I think like with any personality style if, or tool, if, mm -hmm. if all the people kind of involved are using it, <coughs> then it's, it Most is helpful. a helpful way to understand each other. Yeah, and I had taken some in the past that I didn't like. You know, like... Yeah. Uh, I felt like all those, if I wanted to be the wise person, I just filled it out like I want to be the wise person. Yeah. But this is a, it's such a weird test because it's so many questions that right. it like, you you couldn't really peg it. You just had to answer. And yeah. so the fact that it got me, I was like, oh, frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> well, Leslie, what about you? I know that for younger folks, it's not always clear sort of what they are right away. Do you have a sense of kind of what your main styles are? I am a one. Okay. I think. And the one is? <laughs> The one is the perfectionist or the reformer. Um, so I kind of found the Enneagram a little bit before I came on staff. Um, I got really into it in college. Um, and I it was really helpful for me. So 
the one is very black and white. It's a lot of right and wrong. Um, and they're constantly, the, the reformer comes in is they're constantly trying to change the world yep. or change themselves. So they have a major inner critic. So usually before somebody corrects me, I've already corrected myself mm. probably 10 times. Um, so my parents growing up, they didn't need to say much. Um, I would take whatever they said 10 times, tenfold, um, and make sure that I corrected, fixed, whatever. Yep. So that's where I'm feeling like growing up, I was a one when I've talked to my parents, they're like, yep, that sounds right. You know, um, I'm almost 26. So I think I'm getting through my twenties and I still feel like I'm a one. Um, it's interesting in my work. A lot of people say I'm a three, um, cause I'm not as much of a perfectionist. I'm more of like an achiever of just like, go, go, go. Um, but I won't cut corners. So I don't know. So somewhere, somewhere around there, but um, the Enneagram for me has been super helpful. Um, yes, as a tool for myself, um, in a sense, I, I feel like I was pretty self-aware and that in a, in a, in a, in a sense, I think we can always be more self-aware. And if we're saying we're self-aware, we're probably not, but, um, it, for me, it was just helpful to understand others and it gave me grace, um, for others. So understanding Joshua as a seven gives me more grace towards him and how he so handles you're one of the a people conflict. people that likes Reese now. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think for... Classic ones. <laughs> yeah, Classic ones. I, I know. For one that's very black and white, it's helpful in, oh, you just deal with that differently or you you, you got to that place from a different um, component or, or whatever. So it's been really helpful for me um, to have grace on other people and not to like, wait, why, why would you do it that way? Like, yeah. this is how you were supposed to do it. Yeah. There's the, the ones do a lot of shoulds, yeah, um, a lot of shoulds and nots. a lot of shoulds and nots. Yeah. So I have to, I have to get rid of those, um, and then work through that. So yeah, that's cool. I'm a one, one yeah. wing two. I think one I am a, okay. yeah, the, the helper. I think even the way you explained that was very one ish of you. So well done. <laughs> Thank it was you. a very good job. <laughs> oh, wow. It was perfect, actually. Wow. Um, so for those of you listening, if you, uh, you want to dig into it more, uh, this kind of a simple popular level book that's helpful is called The Road Back to You. Um, so maybe check that out a, a bit. But we got one more question uh, for this week's kind of getting started, get to know each other uh, episode. And uh, this is the question, what does the sentence, all of life is all for Jesus, what does that kind of mean to you? I mean, obviously it means what it means but when you hear that what are some of the unique notes that you hear what are the unique smells you smell out of that and flavors you taste um all of life is all for jesus that's significant to you because why Mm. yeah i think for me uh, this is joshua talking in case you didn't know um watching well growing up in the church i you see a lot of um two sides that people would lean, like we'll call it riding a horse. So they would lean either to the right of the horse and fall off. They'd be like, no way, I don't want to fall off that way, so now I'm going to lean this way. And it just gets to where, um, well, it's exhausting, and you don't get any, you don't get anywhere because you're just trying to not fall off the horse to the right or the left most of the time instead of really riding and staying in the center. And um, all of life all is all for Jesus helps. I think the, the most exciting thing is it feels like it's right in the center of the horse, mm-hmm. and you just kind of get, you can pick up speed, and you can move, and so it takes, it's like, for instance, just a, a short example, nobody in my church drank, but that's not true. They just didn't let anybody know that they drank alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a, so they were, their legalism side, they they didn't know how to reclaim even, even, you know, an alcoholic beverage, 
for the Lord and all for Jesus. So they just said, well, I can't have that. Even though, you know, so they, they would lean to one side and in doing that, they would miss the other side or they'd fall to that side fully. And so, um, and then the opposite would be like, well, actually we can do whatever. And they fall on this side. And so reclaiming that is really, it feels like let's reclaim all of life. Reclaim is a good word that I like. Well, I like, I like even that example for you because you don't drink. Yeah. Um, but not because of some legalistic thing. Just that's just kind of how you. I mean, I drink strawberry milk, but <laughs> that's like my jam. Yeah, but it feels like someone who you know. Anyway, yeah. You, like, just to use that example. A lot of people that use that example would be, and here's why I have the freedom to drink. But sure. you're not even saying that as someone that wants to drink. You're Correct. just saying I just want to have the Lord inform everything I do. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Alessi. Yeah, I think for me, um, this this line of and and truth of all of life is all for Jesus was huge in um in my own thinking of okay what am I supposed to do with my life um but if really if all of life is all for Jesus then it doesn't matter um and so coming from um a Christian college where there was a there was a high level of mission um mission meaning go and go far. <laughs> and that was not something that the Lord kind of stirred in my heart and in my life. And I was constantly grappling with the, what about the mission field here? What about, you know, talking to people and telling people about Jesus right here? Like even to believers, non-believers, um, in any kind of workplace. And so um, right out of school, I became a teacher and it was not a Christian school. Um, and so all of life was all for Jesus was, was handed right there. Okay. What is all of life all for Jesus look like? Um, and it's like, for me, it was, all right, Lord, help me with these fruits. Um, how do I love? How do I serve? How do I be joyful in times that I'm not feeling very joyful? How do I be patient in times where I do not want to be patient with this child or, um, yeah. So I think it was, it was, I'm thankful that I had an experience, um, where I wasn't in a ministry position at, at a church, but I was in a secular school setting and I was able to, okay, what is all of life for all of Jesus look like? Um, because I think it can be, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's anything and everything that we do in our lives. And then for me, it was kind of similar. I didn't think of it in your illustration, Joshua, but, um, kind of a centering for me of just like, okay, what is Jesus life? What does Jesus's life look like? And how can I make mine look more like his while I'm teaching while I'm, and I think this can be used in any scenario. If you're a mom, if you're, um, at a doctor's office, whatever it is, like all of life can be used for Jesus and your words and your actions and how you love and serve others. So for me, that was kind of a special moment. Yeah, that's great. I think for me, the, um, the phrase all of life is all for Jesus just gives a lot of meaning Mm -hmm. to what is otherwise pretty mundane. You know, the older I get, the more I feel like, and most of life is just kind of repetitive. It's kind of dull. It's kind of I mean, maybe if you're not a seven, maybe if you're, maybe if you're yeah. Peter Pan, it's different. But for yeah, the, the grownups, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I see what oh. you did there. Appreciate that. Yeah, Classic I, just, Luke. I just feel like life life gets pretty routine, and um, all life is all for Jesus. Says this every bit of it. You know, yeah. when I'm setting the table, yeah, that's for Jesus. When I'm preparing a sermon, that's for Jesus. When I'm uh, helping my kid get potty trained. That's for Jesus um, when I'm, whatever I'm doing. And um, What flavor that adds, too. That's so good to life. Doing, 
Yeah, and it's interesting because still I think we try to be selective. Sure. Like I'm not sure I want my driving to be for Jesus <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> you know, there's other parts where we go, ah, I kind of want to pick and choose. Um, and I think that's one of the hearts even of this podcast is to say, how do we push into lots of different areas of life where we maybe don't actually want all of life to be all for Jesus. We want to wear the shirt. We want to go, yeah, that sounds cool. That's a neat slogan, not in my head. But I actually find some little spots of resistance. And so um, I'm excited for the conversations we'll have. Some of them will be about same things that seem not on the surface particularly spiritual. And that's okay because all of life is all for Jesus. And some of them will be very explicitly spiritual. Um, we're going to have some important conversations uh, later on in the season about culture and about politics and about different things like that as the election comes. And so there's just going to be a lot of different things we can talk about. And I feel like um, that's some of what even excites me about this podcast. I don't want to just have the same conversation over and over. I want to be able to go, how do we talk about a lot of different things but use a certain lens to look at those with? So that's kind of what this saying's about. Mm. I love it. Yeah, so we'll have fun. So, uh, Reese, give us a little, this is kind of a, a wrap on, on this episode, but Reese, give us a preview of our next conversation. Where are we going next time? Yeah, so next week we'll, or next whenever this plays, will be, um, the title is I Remember This One Time. And so I kind of want to talk about um, remembering the stories that God has painted in our lives um, to make us who we are. So we talked a little bit today about our testimony. It's those moments where you feel like, well, that's actually when God worked. Actually, well, that's when God works. And, that's, and you, you can look back and recount those. Mm. And it's important to do that. And so that's what we're talking about. Cool. I remember one time. Yeah, I remember this one time. I remember this one time. Cool. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. So join us next time on the For Jesus podcast. We'd love it if you would like this and review it and share it with friends. Um, our assumption is that if you're listening, it's probably because you're part of Redemption Gateway. But if uh, someone else shared it with you, that's great too. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.